This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Take the Black Live, the one and only show, several years running on the internet, that dares to discuss the topics the other people won't talk about, like TV, movies, fantasy, sci-fi, dragons, space lasers, etc. I am Dan Selke of WinnersComing.net, here with Daniel Roman of WinnersComing.net. Hey to everyone, Hello. great to see Martha, Andrew, uh, Julie, good to see you guys here. And Daniel, off the gate, off the bat, I have two questions for you. Uh, yes. First... How do you feel about reaching 10,000 subscribers? So exciting. Thanks for pointing that out. And second, uh, you're wearing a pleather jacket, a dragon t-shirt, and a pentagram around your neck. Um, That's How right. was the Ozzy Osbourne tribute show you just came from? Uh, you know, Ozzy Osbourne tribute shows are always a good time. Obviously, in the library, they hold a lot of them, you know, mm-hmm. because if there's one thing Ozzy loves, it's literacy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I am very excited. Uh, thank you to everyone who has subscribed, commented, liked, followed us over the years. Um, it's been a pleasure sharing this journey with you all and can't wait to, you know, for the next. So yeah, things are good. How are you, Dan? And how are all of you out there? Yeah. Hello, Christian. Good to see all of you here. And thanks, Fancy Fan on 10K subscribers. It is pretty cool. Um, you know, it, it'd be so fun if this channel, like, actually, what if we actually reach, like, a ton of people, like, hundreds of thousands? Would you um, would you be shocked and awed, or would you be like, eh, it sounds about right? I would think this has been the inevitable rise, like Daenerys <laughs> Targaryen eventually going back to Westeros. It was meant to happen. Nice. But no, it would also be really cool, and obviously, be fun. the more and we, we talk all about stuff the more fun it is to talk to more people. So thank you, Julie. Glad you're doing well. Thanks everybody. Yeah, it's been fun. And you know what? Hopefully only onwards and upwards from here. And you know, yes. the reason folks subscribe to us is because of our piercing insights into all things, fantasy movies, uh, sci-fi TV, etc. And boy, do we have some interesting things to talk about this week, mostly related we to the wheel of time, the fantasy show du jour, Amazon prime videos, Adaptation of Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson's 14-book-long epic fantasy series. Season 2 is wrapped up. Season 3 is on the way. And the opinions are flying fiercely and furiously. First, yes. I thought we would go over what we know about the third season of the show. Because um, season 2 is over, and we're already getting some juicy hints about the third season. Season 2 is over. And then yes. we'll get into some, just to tease you all, some... Uh, meaty well, controversy 
going around the interwebs over the past couple of days. Yeah. A cat just leaped behind you. I feel like everyone should know that. Audio listeners, a cat just leaped across the screen behind Dan. Uh, cool. So that's Yeah, um, that's Missy. She might make some um cameo appearances during the show. We'll see. We'll count them. If, you, if, if 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 you're drinking, take a drink whenever she appears. All right. So the Wheel of Time season three. So you know the stuff better than I do. Um, I know that the next season will adapt the book The Shadow Rising, which is the fourth book in the series. Very, very popular. I'm reading yep. it now. Um, I th- There's like an agreement among Brandon Sanderson, who wrote the final three books on Rafe Judkins, who does the showrunner. It's one of the best books in the series. That's very yes. exciting. Um, it will take us to places like the Aiel Waste, Roydian, which is how they say it in the audiobooks, oh, no and the way. tropical city of Tanchico. Daniel, okay. why are those places interesting? All right. So some of the audiobook pronunciations, I have to wonder if this is before the time of really giving pronunciation guides, because I've never heard someone mm-hmm. call it Roydian. Ruidian is always the name I've heard it pronounced, and I know Roydian. that's the way Rafe Junkins pronounced it. Yeah, yep, yeah, I heard the the, the Roydian wastes. Uh, so yeah, uh, to to break some of this stuff down, we got mm-hmm. these confirmations of all these things at New York City Comic Con this past weekend, which showrunner Rafe Judkins was able to be at because the writer's strike is over. So it was his first in-person appearance doing an event for the Wheel of Time since the mm-hmm. strikes ended. And yeah, basically, uh, so we're going to keep this relatively spoiler free for the Shadow Rising. But oh, yeah, I think so. so. The Aiel Waste is where characters like uh, Avienda are from. The the Aiel Spear Maidens we met in season two. Um, we're going to explore the Aiel homelands. Uh, people who aren't from there call it the Waste. People from there call it the Threefold Land. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like a very cool little microcosm example of how we're going to dig into the culture of the Aiel. They have a very unique culture in Robert Jordan's books. So it's going to get explored a lot. Uh, And one of the centerpieces of the Aiel culture, Aiel storyline of the Shadow Rising is Ruidian, which is basically an abandoned city in the middle of this desert wasteland, which has a lot of magical artifacts in it, a lot of significance to the history. Um, there's a I- very iconic part of the Shadow Rising that revolves around Ruidian. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see that next season. Um, and then oh yeah, take a drink. Missy's on screen. <laughs> Missy's butt is prominently on display. Uh, and the. Oh, wow. <laughs> this the last location that we'll mention. Uh, so Tanchico. Um, which this one is really exciting because we weren't sure if we were going to get it. So Tanchico is a city that several characters go to in their search for members of the Black Aja, uh, which are Aes Sedai sworn to the Dark One. Um, and that seemed like a storyline they could transplant to another city if they needed to, like for budget reasons. So it was really exciting to get the confirmation. We're going to see Tanchico and Tanchico Judkins said is very tropical and very unlike anything we've ever seen. Uh, he talked about how they built a bar set for a specific scene in Tanchico with a bunch of like plants hanging from the ceiling. And he kind of made it sound like a pirate den almost, and how it was so fun that like after shooting, everyone just stayed and hung out at this bar that they built. <laughs> so, yeah, those are those are some locations and things we got confirmed. Um, 
And another one that's, I'm curious how you feel about this, Dan. So they've cast another Forsaken for yeah. season three, aside from Mogedian, um, who we haven't met yet. Any any Mogedian. thoughts about that? I don't want to just ramble here. But are you giving people to ramble? Well, no, because I haven't um, met all of Forsaken, all of Forsaken in the books. Um, obviously, they like the Forsaken. They like these villains. They like the campiness. They like the archness. Honestly... Yeah. I am a little afraid that the Wheel of Time is in danger of becoming a show, one of those shows where the villains are the best part about it, because mm-hmm. they're so much fun. Like Lanfear yeah. and Shamiel were a blast. The ending is all about the Forsaken. Um, I It's just, they're juicy and fun to stick your teeth into, so I hope they're able to balance the wicked evil of the villains with complaint stories for the main characters, and yeah. I hope they do. Because a, a, a big part of the problems with this last season was, I, I guess, and we'll talk about this a little more, was kind of the balance between um, how much time do you give certain storylines and does giving sto- time to one storyline crowd out another one? Yeah. Uh, like, for example, they also said in season three, it'll be more focused on Rand and Perrin, a.k.a. Um, tall... Um, cheekbones bald guy who's the dragon and wolf boy um who nice. honestly yeah like they, they, they were a little under you could tell that they kind of focused on maybe Nynaeve and Egwene and Perrin and Matt felt like a bit like an afterthought so they only have so many episodes they gotta focus on whatever they can do but it'll be yeah. cool to see them dig into that a little more and to see them spread the love around the, the wealth around by the way great comments as always um Jay DePaul makes a great point. Is there a map of the Wheel of Time world? Like an official map? Oh, so yeah, I, I sure. Know. Okay, oh, yeah. there is. There are tons of maps that you can official, find. Like in the books or anything? Yeah, well, the books have one at the beginning. You know, it's one of those fantasy series where there's a map at the front. Um, there's also several like world books. Like I have one that's like the world of Robert Jordan's wheel of time that came out after book seven or eight, I think. And that one's got a bunch of maps of, you know, the main continents, uh, which I don't think really has a name. People kind of call it Randland because it just, he never named it. Uh, there are maps of the Sean Chan continent too out there. So, Mm -hmm. but I, I do, I like this comment because I do think the show, maybe needs to make the geography a little clearer and i think yeah, next I have season no idea yeah well it hasn't been super important thus far honestly um you know falm oh. is on a peninsula that's really the the big thing we needed to know going into this uh, uh, but i think next season the geopolitics become more important because you know the Aiel are not secluded just for the hell of it. Their their homeland is on the other mm-hmm. side of this huge mountain range, and it's kind of just understood people don't typically cross it. So that's why the Aiel are out there, and it's such a it's crazy funny. thing to see people like Avienda out in you know these other places that we saw in season two. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I feel like that that's where it starts to matter a bit because like you're right yes. like you know we travel from point A to point B and it might be enough to know that we're in a different place but once you've been to like the two rivers and Falm and the White Tower and Kyrian and like all these and there's like another conif coming in yes. it starts to you, you start to want to know vaguely where things are in relation to other things like yes. exactly how far are they traveling um like and, and distance becoming a factor because it's like well we have to take the ways mm-hmm. to get through here so it must have been a far way but like how far or yep. apparently others can just kind of wander there like parent and the aiel it, it yeah like the, the 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 more it spreads out the more it starts to feel like an unaddressed issue that we don't really know where things are uh speaking yeah. of some of our but i'm sure they will that. and we should like spotlight a map sometime uh, speaking yeah, of all the places we've idea. been, there is a picture on the season three set of the two rivers, which you will remember from the series premiere. I kind of wish you would have spent a little more time here, honestly, in the season one. It's like where this is the Shire. This is where the characters are from. Yeah. And we'll be going back there. Shh, don't tell anybody, uh, but we will uh, for a big story next season featuring yeah. Perrin and his buddies. And it looks yes. great. It, it does look great. I love seeing this shot of the two rivers. Um, you know, it's almost kind of nice to hear you say you wish we spent more time there because it, we spent like kind of a comparable amount of time there to the books. Like we really don't hang out there at the beginning, but we're going to go back to the two rivers this this season, season three. Um, and it is going to become a major part of the story again. Um, and I did want to highlight. So you, you talked about uh, Rand and Perrin getting... Uh, more of a focus this season and so they talked (laughs) a little more specifically about that and basically that they like to a lot like two episodes a season is what they're trying to do to really dig deep on like a a big character moment so they judkin specifically used that as an example for Egwene and Nynaeve because you know we had the Sean Chan Damane episode for Egwene we had the accepted trial for naive and those are kind of expanding very iconic parts of the story that revolve around mm-hmm. them so next season 
Perrin and Rand are getting that treatment and they need it. Uh, like you said, Perrin is going back to the two rivers. Uh, that's a huge plot line for Perrin. Uh, Rand, uh, we don't need to talk too, too much about where Rand's going. You can probably guess if you don't know, maybe. Or uh, can you? He, or can you? But he's going to have a big moment too. Um, so yeah, a lot to look forward to. And one other thing I just want to make sure we don't miss uh, it was also confirmed we're going to meet the Sea Folk next season. Uh, cats on screen, take a drink if you're listening. Um, sea Folk. Yeah. So the Atha'an Mieri, is, uh, which I'm sure I'm saying wrong, are the Sea Folk. They are renowned traders. They got mentioned once at the beginning of season two. Uh, Judkins confirmed they built a Sea Folk ship and have filmed scenes with Sea Folk. So, yeah, I, I would assume we'll see them in Tanchico, but... Yeah, a lot of very exciting stuff coming yeah, up in the middle bigger. of time, season three. Some good it stuff is. in the comments. <laughs> Andrew's drinking his tea. Yeah, that tea's going to be gone. This cat likes attention. But uh, yeah, some comments <laughs> in the in the in, among the commenters that I mean, look in terms of geography. Yeah, Game of Thrones. It just did it so well. It's one of those things where like, should every show with a giant map just open like that? That can't be the case. Like you have to be able well, to innovate. But it was so helpful. It's always but kind of funny. There are other ways to do it. Yeah, it's kind of funny to me to hear these sorts of of debates. Like, should every fantasy show open with a map? Just because, like, publishing kind of needed to figure that out too. Like, fantasy books didn't always <laughs> have maps in the beginning, and they it's like kind of very common now for this exact reason we're talking about. Without a map, sometimes it's hard to know where things are. Um, Absolutely now. So it, I hear what Rantel Moore is saying about Game of Thrones needs to stop being the show Good name, that everybody by the way. needs to reach for. It. Yes, great name, Rant. Um, and, you know, it's hard because they did do the map and the map was really helpful. Um, and and I do think Wheel of Time, I, I hope it doesn't do the exact same thing, but but give us something for a map. So, you know, even if you're just going to put it on screen a couple of times, like The Witcher tried to do this just a little in season three they have one scene where there's a painted map room like cersei has at the very end oh, of the season so you can at least if you're that confused you can go back and pause on that scene and kind of look at where things are a little bit like even something like that would be better than nothing um but we'll see when oh, season three premieres but yeah speaking of things that the wheel of time might have slightly overlooked or um I don't know, done maybe a less than stellar job of explaining. Uh, over the weekend, I think it might have been Friday, uh, mm -hmm. Brandon Sanderson, who wrote the final three Wheel of Time books um, after Robert Jordan, who wrote the first 11, passed. He finished the series, basically. He was entrusted yes. with it by, by Robert Jordan's wife. And all agree he did a good job. So basically, he is a co-author of the Wheel of Time books. He yeah. advises on the show. Um, he's a writer in his own right. He writes the Stormlight Archives. He's a great. He, he's a, a very prolific fantasy author. He's excellent. Um, and he, yeah. he he's involved in the production of the show. He appeared on a stream where he reacted to the season finale of season two, along with a couple other YouTubers, including Daniel Green and then the gentleman who runs um, a major Wheel of Time. Uh, YouTube channel whose name is Matt Hatch from the Dusty Wheel. Matt Hatch. And it was notable because yeah, it was. when I tell you 
dear viewers and listeners, that Brandon Sanderson, the man who wrote The Wheel of Time, watched this episode of The Wheel of Time TV show in front of God fans and everyone and just (laughs) kind of just tore it, not not tear it down, rip it limb from limb. But he had a lot of criticisms in a way that was honestly sort of bracing and unexpected because you just sort of expect folk this deeply involved in a show and this tied to a project, a franchise, a world to be a little more careful, like kind of towing the corporate line. Yeah. And if they if if they have criticisms, just keep it to yourself, maybe just because you don't want to, like, hurt the brand. Not Mr. Sanderson. Mr. Sanderson went fairly ham in talking about what he didn't like he said he he kept saying that he really likes it overall that the show's doing a great job that it's better than the rings of power season one that the casting's amazing but that did come off as like kind of compliment sandwiches like he would he would drop a compliment and then go for like four to five things he didn't like and then another compliment there so the, the, the overall impression was that um he had some issues and personally i thought it was fairly hysterical how about you <laughs> well i've been i've been curious to get your take on this because i'm in so deep on this stuff with with the wheel of time at this point that i have to recognize my own bias uh so i will say i was one of the people who was very shocked uh, watching this because I watched this live when it happened and there were oh, quite a lot it. of people who who watched live who had been looking forward to this. It was kind of marketed as like first watch reactions with Brandon Sanderson and these two very popular uh, Wheel of Time content creators. And really what it was was Brandon Sanderson offers critical author commentary while two other people try to pay attention um, so like they had their half formed <laughs> thoughts so while he weird. had things he'd very clearly been thinking about like for years that bugged him. And that's fair. Um, cause he'd read I, the scripts, but he hadn't actually watched the episode before. Yes. What, what, which I think is one deal. of the, the things that's almost like a little bit of folly about this whole situation. So like on the one hand, like Brandon Sanderson read the scripts for season two. He didn't watch any of the season. The finale was the first oh. episode he watched. And it's kind of like you can get impressions of things from the scripts. But like, I think anyone who's looked at a script knows like that's very different than seeing like a finished sure. show. Um, and there were there were times where he kind of commented on things and he almost like contradicted himself a little bit where it's like, man, like I, I would have loved to have your opinion after you watch this uh, i guess i was just like a little surprised at how like carelessly he commented on some things mm-hmm. when he hadn't was almost coming at it from like an uninformed standpoint with some of these like he made a comment about the uh, matt's weapon for, for for example uh that he makes uh saying it it is his iconic weapon he will wield in the books which matt has like a bladed spear he gets And then later he admitted he hasn't read scripts for season three. So he doesn't actually know if that's the case. So there were some things like that where I was like, man, you just threw, you know, a bunch of fans into confusion just because you were kind of firing off. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Am I being too sensitive about this, Dan? I I was surprised at kind of how almost disrespectful this was the way he handled himself, not the stream itself. 
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Okay, sure. I mean, I liked it. I thought it was entertaining. I was, I was interested. I always like when someone sort of, I don't know, not to sound too tech bro, but disruption is kind <laughs> of fun when it's on this smaller sure. scale. Who doesn't like kind of a swerve right when you're supposed to swerve left and entertain me? I don't be entertained. Um, I you 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 could call it. I think that Rant uh, Al Moore said it was low tact or or low self awareness. Yeah, or, uh, agree. Hard agree. A little ir- a little irresponsible. I, I, I see me. I'm not sure though, because I mean, like the man did literally write the Wheel of Time books. The man is, you know, pr- working on the Wheel of Time show, although I guess that would make it irresponsible. But then maybe he shouldn't have watched anything at all. And and, and well, I agree with you that it did it, it did sort of play like he clearly had been thinking about this stuff for a while and kind of got to air it. I didn't like the format. I don't like the way they were like looking above the camera and you couldn't see what they were watching. And there were like these moments of like silence where you all just watched a TV show. That's a little odd. Um but let, let's look at some of the things he said, because I think at yeah. least somebody said um, if fans fan says his points made sense, though, I thought it was I think some of it made sense. And I some think of some them of it did. And, and some, some of, of them he, did. He he, he 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 seemed a little preoccupied on certain things. I agree. Uh, but, but let's just go watch sort of like me, Dan. I love the turbulence. Really? Julie enjoys some turbulence on a plane. Interesting. Oh, there um, you go. While you're in the right place, fun. Julie. Just like, don't be drinking your ginger ale while it goes, or or you're gonna or you're gonna be in a world of pain. It wakes up the babies, yeah. the turbulence. I don't know. No, I can do with that turbulence. Maybe it's on a okay. long flight to wake me up. Um. Okay. Some of his general okay. and Rantel Morris says some of his generalities make sense. I think mostly what I'm looking at is the generalities, and then we can use some specifics to prove our points. So okay. Um, yeah, totally. I-, I also loved how he was honest about how he like pushed back against some of the choices they made while making the season like yeah while they were writing it he was like don't do this please and then they did it for example he said he fought and i by the way i, I don't have a brandon sanderson voice like i have a George R. R. martin voice i, I don't have one yet i'm gonna try ever well um he said <laughs> i fought pretty hard against the whole thing with moraine doesn't have her powers i just don't think it worked and maybe again it's me just me looking forward but if we're having people lose their powers and get them back just for convenience of like a few episodes, it really distracts from the idea of losing powers, getting powers back. I don't think we needed it. I tried on that one. He said that a lot. So like, I tried, guys. I tried to not have them do that. And he yeah. thought that like the, the, the Lana Moraine scenes in the beginning were pretty weak. This one I complete. Oh, and 
it was kind of fun hearing him say things that I'd been opining over I'm the past sure couple you of liked weeks. It. Of course. <laughs> like, you know, he you didn't include in your write-up, but he fully agreed with me when he said, like, and then a bunch of randos come out yes. and fight land for no reason. And I was like, ha ha, innocent. Yeah. It was um, too small and- a thing for me to fit in. Um, oh, no, you just for shame. Um, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> but I agree. The Lana Moraine thing was weak. He also was with me and he would have an inside view on this, that they did it to kind of give Rosamund Pike something to do because yes. her character doesn't really have much to which, do in the great hunt. Yeah. I agree, with them, all, I agree with them all on this. Yeah, they've said that pretty explicitly. I was looking mm-hmm. back at an interview from the end of season one, and Rafe Judkins said exactly that. We can't, he literally said, we can't just bench Rosamond Pike for a season. So that's why you they're. Could, though. they're uh, Which I think you would have to. I, well, so here's here's the thing. Sanderson said you could have done, given her more material in a bunch of different ways. And yeah, I do agree did. with him. This is one of those things where I wish he had watched it so that he could really dig into the adaptation angle of this, because I really hated Moiraine and Lan, like their plot line for like six episodes. I hated it. That's um, a lot of episodes. It is a lot of episodes, but I think the way they pulled it together in episode seven made me retroactively like it all more. Um, and not to say it would have changed Sanderson's opinion, <laughs> but he couldn't weigh in with that sort of like depth i guess because he's only read the scripts he didn't see how it was actually executed but this is fair i i do think this is a fair criticism and i do think looking back the early lan and moiraine episode scenes are part of the some of the weakest parts of the season so yeah yeah this is i don't this one shouldn't really come as a surprise to anyone honestly Mm -hmm. i i think we've all talked about this and he was kind of voicing something we've all we've all been saying for months um, sure. So that's probably like the least controversial thing he said, really. Um, I mean, putting aside like the whole idea of whether it's tactful to say it at all, I, I agree with the yeah. substance of it. And you know, I don't know. It was so much fun. I- I- I'm inclined to think tact be damned. Just go ahead and speak a piece. It- it's me. He kept saying he liked it. <laughs> he just then then he had problems with it. Yeah, um, as Nicole says. I agree with the Wheatland and Moraine scenes. As a non-book reader, I still don't understand their bond and how it works. He just seems obsessed with her. Yeah, they muddied yeah. it up a lot. They really did. So I, I agree with that for sure. Another fun, cute little thing was like, you know, he again, like this is the guy who literally wrote three of the books. So he mm-hmm. can speak in kind of big things. I think the Padon Fane is a villain who... Honestly, you might like see a picture of him and not know who he is. I wouldn't blame you. They really haven't done much of them on the show. He's been a, no. a pretty not much screen time. And Sanderson was just like, let's he's like the guy. He's played by a black actor. He's a villain. He has Johan the ear. He swaggers all over the place. He tempted Matt to the dark side with a little blade thing. And uh, was like, let's be honest. Book fame is one of Robert Jordan's weaker characters going after the original author. It, yeah, he's it, he, he's he's a, he, he didn't know what to do with them. Um, yeah, it, when he it's was so writing. true. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, I I think that's fair. I think it is kind of funny to look at these three different, almost versions of Wheel of Time because Brandon Sanderson's three Wheel of Time books, like they're continuing the story, but there are some things, elements that are just a little different. So like you can almost kind of look at them as like three different iterations of the Wheel of Time a little bit. Hmm. Um. And I think all three of them have not really known what to do with Pot and Fane. Like Robert Jordan kind <laughs> of, he introduced Fane as kind of a cool character. He 
he in the books he gets infected by the darkness at Shadar Logoth. So he's like a dark villain who dark friends also fear. He's not quite as just a regular dark friend like he is in the show. Um, but it seems like, you know, the show didn't really have time for that. Sanderson got critiques from people when he released his books. Like you kind of drop pot and fane at the end, which he, he kind of did. And Robert Jordan introduced pot and fane and then just like, didn't really do very much with him for books at a time. So yeah, yeah that one's fair. Fair enough. Yeah. Some great comments, by the way, I don't want to get cause we we don't get to the comments, but just yeah, I love it when folk say things that agree with me. You know, I know you know I love I, that. <laughs> so just <laughs> briefly, just talks about really quick with the Lana Moraine stuff. Like Randall says that Moraine could have been dealing with her sister while still having her powers, while Lana was working with Rand on his sword skills. Lana was working the angles. The Moraine stuff. My problem with it was that like she, she a lot of what she did, she could have done just fine with her powers. But let's unless you want to respond. Can we move on for, from no, that bit? Yeah. No, I, I think that taking powers away and giving them back, I do think that could cause problems for them down the road. So I don't need to comment more. <laughs> if you do, jump in. I I, okay. I, I don't want to step on your brain. Um, He had some kind of big generalities to say, Sanderson. For example, he was talking about, I think he was talking about the, the Horn of Valir scene, which is one of my favorite yeah. scenes from the finale. Same. And said that um a lot of the problems with, with this episode are actually previous episodes and that the scenes are all good. A lot of them are good. But what you're having happen doesn't feel built to character wise for a lot of the characters to me. And that might be me too clouded by the books. Like he didn't think they earned the scene where Hopper the wolf died because we hadn't spent time building the relationship. He didn't think. I mean, I it did work for me, the scene. Um, I will say that that was one of my favorite scenes. He didn't think he was disappointed that like the horn of Valir. I mean, it was there, but we didn't spend any real time explaining what it did or like focusing on it. So when Matt blows it, we don't know what it's supposed to mean. I disagree with him there. I feel like he was very fixated on sort of making sure the thematics link up. But for me, it's like when I watch a scene, I feel it or I don't. And like yeah. with the Matt scene, I mean, maybe because I, I'd read the book, so I know what the horn's supposed to do. You blow it and heroes of the past come and they have little trails behind them and they fight for you. Um, and it, it hit me emotionally because I, I felt yeah. what like Matt was feeling solidarity. I agree that it's kind of insane that they did they mention even once like what the horn does. Yeah, I don't remember very it's so this is there are a lot of like Easter egg details this season. Mm. I believe in an early a couple of early episodes, Rand overhears people talking about it in Kyrian. So there are like you can go back and and see that they put Easter eggs in, but that's very different (laughs) than like the great hunt. The book is all about them getting the horn of the Lear. So like Sanderson is right when he says like that's the MacGuffin of the book. They spend the entire book chasing the horn and then it gets blown at the end. And that's very different. He's right about that. Um, But this is so here's my problem here, Dan. Mm -hmm. He's saying a lot of the problems with this episode are actually previous episodes. Um, Stuff doesn't feel built to character wise, but he didn't watch the previous episodes. So, again, like. I know like whenever I say this, people come for me in the comments and are like, he read the scripts and like, look, reading the scripts, 
I was hoping he would mention Barthanis because that is a huge part of like nice. why they focused on Moiraine. They were building up the Barthanis dark friend reveal more. That in the books is like a throwaway reveal. You don't even really know Barthanis is related to Moiraine. He just like delivers a letter to Rand and is like, by the way, I'm a dark friend. And and then he later shows up dead in his room. Like They made a hit. You're right. It's very forgettable. And without seeing things like that actor playing Barthanis as like the most likable person this season, like it, you, it's hard to really appreciate the way this stuff played out. So that's why this is what I mean about like almost it being like, like disrespectful or irresponsible to make sweeping generalities like that, because it's disregarding like what they did without actually having seen it. So it, that to me is just like, I don't really... He could have still commented on these things without saying things like that, that I I don't think are it's hard for him to really say with authority because he didn't see it. Um, there's more yeah. stuff like that about the way the sausage is made in television. But we can get to that in a minute. I see what you I I, I see what you mean that like, again, like uh, it, it watching a show, at least for me, I think for most people is emotional. It hits or it doesn't. And he read the script. So he knew like kind of the dramatic arithmetic of what was supposed to add up in the finale. But even if the equation didn't quite balance, when you see the actors on screen, it can still work. Like the map moment still worked for me, even yeah. though I didn't know what the Horn of Valir did, even though, I mean, it, it didn't, the, the, the way that scene was blocked, it was like, Oh, good. Matt can now fight these 20 random Shan Shan guys, I guess. Yeah. And that's what the that's what the heroes can do, even though it doesn't really matter if you think about it. Um, and I think like, those I, are I guess, all fair like, comments like, for sure. It, but it, it doesn't matter if you're in it. If you're in it, I don't care. Um, and he, he he seemed to be kind of thinking with like so someone said his writer brain. He couldn't turn off. I think it yeah. was Valerie, special friend of the pod. Um, although she also agrees about Hopper, not enough bonding, lots of good, um, comments here. Let's read some before moving on. Uh, yeah. let's see. Randall says, I want to talk I about it. Hopper when we, when we read Randall's. Oh, so let's get to that oh, one. Let's eventually. Do it um, Randall says, I watched a ton of, although I think he's talking about the horn. I watched a ton of non-reader reactions and no one really, really knew what it really was. They were all guessing and speculating, but all wrong, which yeah. yeah they the horn was an afterthought. It, they could have made it a little more clear in the script. Agreed. Just like somebody mentioned that someone's ghost or something. Yeah. Um, let's see. So what his, else did Randall say? Uh, Randall says that didn't Hopper die in the first book not long after meeting Peridon and Gwen, which is true. We bonded with Hopper in the dreams. Bam. Yeah. So let's talk about this because I think it's interesting hearing commentary from people like Brandon Sanderson and Daniel Green who really know the Wheel of Time very, very well. Mm -hmm. um, talking about like how we didn't pay off Hopper enough, like Hopper dies almost before you really get to know him in the books. I looked back at this after watching the stream because I was like, I I remember Hopper barely being in the book before he's killed. And like, spoiler alert, Hopper casts a long shadow on the series. We do get to know him more after he dies. Um, so looking back, it's like they gave Hopper more a specific focus in the television show than in the books because Perrin meets That's a bunch true. of wolves with Elias. And at that point, he's still not accepting that there's any wolf part of himself. So like he's talking oh, to like three different oh, wolves. Man. Like he really only hangs out in person with Hopper like two or three times mm -hmm. before Hopper gets killed. 
So like it's his inciting incident. And here they made it like the culmination of his arc this season. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with what Rant Al Moore just said. All the stream showed me is that even experts are prone to wild amounts of bias. Hopper is the <laughs> perfect example of that because that is like when when they say Hopper got, you know, they earned the moment more in the books, like that is straight bias because most of Hopper's development happens after that. Um, so it, it, it is showing no one's immune. Maybe not even us. Like a lot of the books are kind of things are developed almost retrospectively as he like yes. figures out he wants them to be important and then builds up like them thinking about it, which you can't really do in a TV show. Um, I, I didn't problem with Popper personally. He, yeah. Sanderson was kind of um, was interested. I, I don't think preoccupied is too much to say with, I, I'm going to no. go back with like, with preoccupied like is fair. The, 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 like the dramatic thematic arithmetic adding up. And when yes. it didn't, he he seemed he, to not really enjoy, it. and I and I do think that's consistent with someone who's read, read the scripts but not watched the episodes. For example, I he agree. would say, "Nynaeve didn't do anything. Perrin has a shield. Rand didn't need to be there." This is the final scene at the tower where they fight Ishamael. Egwene just needed a sword to stab Ishamael, which is so I don't raw. want to downplay how good the stuff that's good in this episode was good, but it still bothers me that so many of the characters didn't have to be there, and so much of it didn't doesn't seem to ha- mean anything. And then later he said, kind of in the same tack, like Egwene has the strongest arc, but Egwene does so much in this season and nobody else really gets to do anything. Rand gets to stab a Shamael, but what does that mean? Like earlier, he wasn't even using the sword. What does the sword mean to him? Why doesn't he draw it to fight the Blade Master, but he draws it to fight the Forsaken? Why? I mean, kind of good points. Um, some of them. Kind Again, of. I, th- th- there's, there's like this difference between the intellectualizing of... Like it should have, we should have been told it means this. And then when it happens, we know what it means versus when you watch it with the music and the drama and the acting, like you kind of get a meaning out of it, even if yeah. it wasn't explicitly set up. I'm arguing against him more than I thought I would, honestly. I thought I'd be more yeah. on his side. Um, with some of those moments, like I mostly like the tower scene. Again, it, it's it's emotional for me. Like, yeah. He had a problem with the scene where um, Egwene frees herself and kills Rena, her soul dom. And yeah. I didn't really like that scene either. It, I was surprised how flat it landed for me, but not really for the reasons he was saying. I, I guess he was he, he didn't like the metaphysics of it, which, okay, sure, like it doesn't go by the rules of their whatever magic system. And he's afraid that it kind of undermines the theme of you need to come together to fight evil. You can't do it alone. I guess I do agree with that. I think that would have been stronger if she had had some help and he would have had more to do. And I don't think it's weak to, or like less empowering that you get some help from your friends in order to band together and fight against something that all I know, but mostly I know that moment didn't land for me. That's what I mostly know. Well, um, but I, I'm more like feeling it than he is sort of thinking it through. Yeah. So what I'll say, I I think this is again the I wish you'd watched, bro, because it is hard to comment on how things don't land. (laughs) What does it mean when you haven't seen it? And so things like what does the sword mean? Like Rand didn't get the arc about the sword this season. That's going to be next season. They've talked about this. He doesn't know they've talked about this because he's not paying attention. Um, So like... 
with Egwene, I liked the Egwene Renaissance. I was torn on it because I Mm -hmm. think it represents something very different for Egwene because so in the books, Nynaeve and Elaine's plan to save Egwene works. They free her. They call her Renna. They leave her. Renna shows up like books and books later. And for a very brief period of time, she's killed off in a very unremarkable fashion. I can totally understand why the show would make the choice to close that circle here um, Mm -hmm. by having Renna get killed and why when they decided, so Rand fights a Shamael by himself in the books. And I'll be honest, Brandon Sanderson said that was a scene he'd been waiting 30 years to see. It's one of Robert Jordan's best scenes. Rand fights him in the clouds. I thought that was so stupid when I read that book the first time because it comes oh. out of nowhere. Because Ashamael's not involved with well, it's cool, but like Ashamael's not involved at all with the Shan Chan in in the books. So it it's kind of like this stuff is happening, and then Ran hits the final boss level, basically, and suddenly he's in the <laughs> sky, and you don't know if it's a hallucination or not until after. It's very understandable why something like that wouldn't work. So once yeah, they decided yeah, to make yeah. his moment about everyone coming together behind him, which is the exact theme Sanderson is saying they didn't hit, uh, they did it with Rand in this moment. Um, for Egwene, then it becomes something different. Here's a person who was basically enslaved, rising up against the person who enslaved her. I can I, I can definitely see how that would come off as a certain type of empowering the way that they did it. Um, I do agree that it kind of gives Nynaeve less to do, but I, to bring things back to Rant Moore talking about the bias, it's also very funny to me because, again, Sanderson is like, why didn't Nynaeve just heal him? You have Nynaeve right there. She is supposed to be a good healer. That's her oh, whole she was thing. busy. Well, she's got her block and she uses her, her magic oh. more in the books at this point, but... Someone found a quote from the books. I saw this on Twitter from a later book where Nynaeve is thinking back to fall and she's talking to Rand and she's like, I remember you got your unhealing wound, the wound in his side. It's not going to heal well. And I remember that I didn't have, I couldn't help you because I couldn't channel because of my block. She explicitly Mm -hmm. states in the book, she could not heal Rand in that moment. But here we have Brandon Sanderson being like, why wouldn't Nynaeve do it? So the bias, the long game bias of looking back at early books and thinking, why didn't these characters act like I know them from book 11, 12, 13 is very present in my opinion. Gotcha. I can hear all that. I mean, again, and I had issues with it, but it's not really his issues. And yeah, I'm, um, I thought I'd be more pro Brennan Sanderson in this podcast, but I'm finding that uh, I do see him as a little, although he has the right, I think Julie said something that was pretty funny, just, um, <laughs> Where did the Night King get those chains back in the day? Yeah, I'm kidding. That's um, that's exactly readers, the sort of comments and we're I'm talking one, about. Always get upset over things that get cut. So I guess a writer has the right to get double upset. I do think he has the right to say everything he's saying. Obviously, he's literally the writer. He can he 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 he's earned the right. I was yeah. surprised. And I now think... that I'm thinking through it in in like vocalizing it, I guess it did seem a little. I don't know. What's the word? Myopic a tad. Um, a but little myopic. I agreed. Uh, yeah, like, I would have. Re- like, I love rewriting shows in my head. I know yeah. exactly how to make the Wheel of Time uh, as good as it could be. Of course. Uh, but Prince Harrison think... has, has has different ideas. We all have different ideas, which yeah. is um, why not every show is is perfect because the ideas are only good until 
I don't know, you, 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 you put them through the crucible of production yes. and voicing them and compromising and all that stuff. Uh, until then, of course, they're perfect in your brain. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's, you know, ultimately, he's, of course, he has the right to have the opinions he has about the show and the way that it's been done. I think the thing that surprised me the most, one, the way this was marketed was kind of folly, like we talked about, because I think it really set people's expectations up for it to be something very different than it actually it was. was. So a lot of people, it was like getting a bucket of water dumped on your head mm -hmm. a little bit for a lot of people watching this and being like, oh, it's just Brandon Sanderson picking this apart for an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> but I think the thing that surprised me is stuff like this last quote. So I, he said, I want to love it and I like it. I think people are going to enjoy watching this. I don't think they'll come back to it. Oh, because what brings you back? Money quote. Yeah. So this is to me, uh, uh, this is the sort of thing that I find really shocking because to hear a producer say something like this about That's their right. show while it's on the air and they haven't even watched it, like, Dan, we report on TV shows all the time. I can't really think of many examples of someone doing something like that, where that's like so like almost like cruelly disrespectful to the team who worked on your own damn show um, to say, I don't think people will rewatch the show when you haven't watched it once. Um, am I am I being oversensitive about that? Because it's stuff like that that surprised me more than his actual critiques. That one was definitely the one that was the biggest woe moment because that that's not just like I think they should have done it this way. That's like I think the show is going to succeed. Like, don't you produce the show? It's like yeah. admitting it was wild. Um, I don't want to call it wild. Well, maybe it's a tad disrespectful. It was interesting to hear. Um, and by the yeah. way, some folks agree with you. Dominic agrees too. I think Brandon Sanderson titled his opinion. But even though I disagreed on quite a few of his points, I would have had a lot more respect for him if he had watched the entire season. I think I am going to stick with my kind of theory about what was going on here was that he read the scripts. He was coming at it from a the dramatic arithmetic doesn't quite add up point of view. Yeah. But so much of what you one gets out of a TV show or a movie is the emotional experience of watching it. And in that case, the arithmetic doesn't really doesn't play as big a factor it's it can, only one factor if the equation is still like wildly off balance it still can be bothersome don't get me wrong sure but um you can make up for it in a lot of ways i think the season did i enjoyed watching the season um and and maybe he was kind of um speaking through that lens and of course he, yeah. he, he's very close to the material he's closer than any of us certainly yes. are yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and 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 that and that affects you too. But yeah, what a whoo. It it's was been wild, an exciting man. Exciting week. <laughs> we got to move yeah. on though cuz cuz we've we're talking a lot about this. Really really fast. What are you yeah, watching Daniel if anything? I mean, so I've been still watching the Wheel of Time. I've been doing a close watch of season 2 to pick out lots of little details for a secret thing. Uh but aside from that, Ooh. the main things I've been watching are Mike Flanagan this week. I uh, binged all of the fall of the House of Usher and Midnight Mass because I loved Usher so much that mm. uh, my wife and I moved right on to Midnight Mass. And cool. whoo, those are both so good. Uh, like starting spoot. Yeah. House of Usher is like kind of incredible the way he worked in different Poe short stories and poems into this thing. The actors like 
killing it. I think Usher is a really incredible show. Midnight Mass is insane. I I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. Highly recommend if you need horror viewing for for nice. October. Uh, how about you, Dan? Uh, I'm watching Our Flag Means Death. That's pretty fun. It's nice. I'm getting psyched for Invincible season two. I I really like the first season. That's going out pretty quick. We'll be reviewing it on Winter Is Coming. Uh, I'm keeping this moving because we're because we took a lot talked <laughs> a lot about Fantasy, as we should. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's lot there is lots coming up though. Like we're, we're it's not really abating. Loki's still on. Um, the Percy Jackson show's coming up, so there'll be plenty to keep us a talking. Yeah. Uh, but as we wind down of this episode, why don't we engage in a round of our uh, galaxy famous Wick News lightning round, where we go through a few stories that we didn't get to in the main body of the show, and give our 20 second opinions. As usual, these are in no particular order, so we're just going to start going and see what happens. Um, Let's do here's it. a fun one, Daniel, for you. Uh, HOD Croatia, the Twitter account, X account, whatever you want to call it, shared this image that seems to be a deleted scene from the first season of House of the Dragon, where Rainey's comforts her young daughter, Reyna, after Reyna has been rejected by the like septuagenarian suitor, King Viserys. Um. Yeah, so Rhaenys, I think this is Lena. <laughs> ah, House of the there. Dragon, making it easy on names. Um, I, dear God, Ryan Condal, HBO, release the deleted scenes, please. Where are they? <laughs> give us a, give us a deluxe DVD with the deleted scenes. We will all many? buy it. Um, I'll buy it. There are a lot of deleted scenes from House of the Dragon, and I want to see them. It's crazy. Um, there are so many. I can't believe that they that they haven't released them. Um, I would pay money. Okay. Yes. Uh, so here's one for you, Dan. Uh, mm. After their divorce, Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas have reached a co-parenting agreement. Yes, they have. Oh, thank goodness. Um, Sophie Turner, Joe Jonas, actress, singer, married, had two kids, divorced, celebrity drama, TMZ. I watched part of it unfold in an airport over the weekend. They reached a parenting agreement. Thank God the famous family will um, kind of level out. Hopefully everything goes well. Best of luck. Divorce is hard. Family's hard. Rock on. By the way, yeah. um, Nicole is also watching at the fall of the house of Usher. And uh, she liked Midnight Mass. So good taste on all of yours parts. All right, Daniel. Uh-oh. Um, here's one <laughs> that... Uh, might be a little niche. Uh, Patrick Rothfuss, okay. the um, author of the King Killer Chronicle series, very famous fantasy book series. Um, he breaks silence. He was supposed to deliver a chapter of his new book, The Doors of Stone, for charity a while ago, but it hasn't happened. And now he kind of talked a bit about what's going on. Yep. Uh, so Patrick Rothfuss, this was a whole almost like scandal where he scandal. did it for fundraising, saying he would release this chapter. And then he just didn't because he was trying to make it a bigger production than it needed to be and hire a bunch of voice actors and all this stuff. And he oh, re-edited really? it. And that's kind of just what he does. Uh, so he said he feels really bad about it. And he he kind of said, this is what I do. And I've had some personal stuff go down. So. Sure. Uh, I feel bad for him, but also only so bad because people paid a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> all right. to charity of all things. Um, 
Okay, this is a lighter story. So Ian Cardoni know. and Harry Belden are the new voices of Rick and Morty. Respectively. Yeah, Rick and Morty. I don't think it's a light story. This, this, this is a crazy story. This is Justin That's Roy, the creator, the creator of Rick and Morty, voiced both Rick and Morty, was driven out of the show under allegations of um, uh, assault, like um, physical battery and sexual assault. And they replaced them. They re- they replaced the voices of Rick and Morty on a show called Rick and Morty. These two new guys apparently they did a good job. People seem to be liking it. Cool. So the show's going to continue. But it, it's 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 strange <laughs> what's happening with that series. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, oh, here's one that you that you had a reaction to. Disney Plus is making a live action TV remake of the '90s kind of dark animated show Gargoyles. Will you watch? I mean, I'll watch it because I was a kid and I liked Gargoyles, but this is one of those things where I'm just like, who in their right mind greenlit this? Um, while you're canning stuff like Willow, you're you're <laughs> not releasing Spiderwick Chronicles. After it filmed, you're greenlighting right. a Gargoyles show? Like, who is this for? It's clearly for people <laughs> our age because kids don't know who Gargoyles are. Um, yeah, baffling. Baffling decisions over at Disney. Um, speaking of, of baffling today. decisions from mm-hmm. uh, streamers, uh, Netflix is apparently opening brick and mortar locations in 2025. That's kind of wild. So, like, to be clear, it, it's not like Blockbuster or whatever. I, I think it's more like <laughs> Disney stores, you know, like where there's Disney stores. They're basically just glorified Funko Pop shops with like merch. Yeah. So I, I'm imagining like Stranger Things uh, shirts and merch. And like uh, a cafe, or you can get or like um squeaky masks, um uh chess sets based on the Queen's Gambit. I don't know stuff like that. Um, it could be fun, I guess. Put one in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, uh, Daniel, The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon wrapped up its first season, and season two is on the way, and it's called The Book of Carol. It'll be all about know. the character of Carol. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited that they're doing season two, that Carol's going to be in it. I have started uh, Daryl Dixon and I am enjoying it. Um, well, I don't know what's up like with it. these, the book of blah, blah, blah titles. Yeah, I bet there's it. not a damn book in this show. So it's unwieldy. <laughs> it's an unwieldy title, but I'm excited about it nonetheless. Love it. Um, oh, all right. And we'll end with some Harry Potter news here. Um, so Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, that is the stage play, uh, eighth Harry Potter story. Uh, it's going on tour in North America for the very first time. Yeah, I think that's cool. Um, you know, Harry Potter, Cursed Child, very big Harry Potter play. It was a huge hit. It's played in like London, New York, these big cities. It'll go on tour across North America. So if you live, you know, outside New York, you can't get to Broadway. If you want to see yeah. it, you can see it. I think it's neat good for it, it yeah, uh, as far as sure. i can tell it'll only be one play because it used to be like two plays that bunch of insane to me so one play probably the best way to go with that yeah Christian. okay that was a good one i think i i enjoyed talking with you daniel i enjoyed talking with them everybody right out there you, thanks for tuning in and great if you want to hear more from <laughs> as andrew great comment the book of daniel roman coming to netflix 2025 oh, why are you wishing um, this on me andrew <laughs> <laughs> um if you want to hear more of us, we're available in podcast form wherever podcasts are available, be it Google Play, iTunes, or elsewhere. Um, and we stream live every single Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. 
3 p.m. East Coast, 1 p.m. Mountain, noon on the West Coast, and pretty early in Australia, but I don't think early enough that it won't be too much of a problem for you, Julie. Sorry about that. Uh, this was fun. Thanks, guys, for commenting. Hope to see you back next week. And Brandon Sanderson, if you have a problem with anything we said, I guess we'll just have to come on the show and we can interview and talk about it. Uh, love to. We'll be in touch. Good night, yeah. good luck, and adios. Bye. Take care, y'all. This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.